I'm John Thomas, founding president of MSTAR CFD, and this is the CFD Mixtape. So we're talking today about GPU computing and some of its benefits as related to computational physics and computational physics modeling. So the real topic and question today we'll be discussing is, what's the real tangible benefit of GPU computing? And to help answer these questions, we have Brian Devincidis, who is our lead algorithm developer here at MSTAR CFD to talk about GPU computing. For the last couple of years, Brian's been helping us port our codes to GPUs and seen some pretty neat speed improvements as a result of that work. Brian, thanks for being here. Do you want to take a minute to introduce yourself? Hi, John. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, so my name is Brian Devincidis. I work uh, at MSTAR and uh, I work a lot on the software development and GPU computing for uh, our physics software. So Brian, tell us how you got to where you are today as an expert in GPU-based computing. Tell us where you started, some of your educational trajectory, and how you picked up with some of the skills you're using today. Yes, yeah, so I started with computer programming and physics back in high school, and that's really when I started getting interested in it. And then as I went to college, I majored in mechanical engineering at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, and all the same time while I was learning about physics and engineering and transport physics, during my undergraduate degree, I was also constantly learning about and uh, improving my skills at computer programming as well. And so towards the end of my degree there, I combined these two interests of mine and started to go in a direction that combined uh, physics and engineering with uh, computer programming. And so mm -hmm. I kind of went into this area of numerical methods and uh, numerical simulations of physical processes. And it was at that time where I really started getting some experience in with GPU programming. Um, and it was really, it was actually lucky. It was, it was the, the time at which the GPUs were really starting to catch up and beat the performance of CPU-based computing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This would have been what, the early 2010s-ish? Mm -hmm, yeah, kind of mid 2010s, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Right on. And uh, now you spent some time in Texas working in an HPC center, right? I did. Um, that was really one of the first, I guess that was my first work experience and research experience doing this sort of numeric molecular dynamics, um, not GPU computing, but I was kind of still learning some of the numerical methods behind molecular dynamics mm -hmm. and running simulations and, and that sort of thing. Right on. And uh, I remember I, you told me about a senior design project you did where I think you use a lot of Boltzmann algorithms to model a swimmer fish or some such. Oh, that's right. Yes. So that was, that was my first Lattice Boltzmann project. We did a 2D simulation of different uh, swimming motions using, like I said, Lattice Boltzmann. And that was, you know, that, that, was, that was kind of the first fluid simulation that I, I had programmed before. Right, right. And that was CPU stuff when you were coming out of uh, college, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yep. And, and so you mentioned that, you know, GPUs kind of came on the scene, maybe, you know, eight, 10 years or so ago, you know, so, so just for, for general knowledge, what is a GPU? I, I know what a CPU is. I have that in my computer, you know, you, you buy that from Intel. What's a GPU and how is it different? Yeah, so GPUs, they're a significantly different piece of hardware than a CPU. So CPUs, you can think of as sequential processors. And what they do is they take instruction by instruction and they execute them one at a time. GPUs, on the other hand, what they do is they take an instruction and execute that on a whole large set of data. And so it, it processes, does computer processing in parallel. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that, that's kind of structurally the difference between a, a CPU and a GPU. So, so a CPU does one thing at a time, a GPU does many things in parallel, like tens, hundreds, thousands of things in parallel? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, uh, you know, your CPU might have some vector capabilities, you know, on the order of maybe a, a dozen or so, or dozens, whereas a, a GPU can perform its calculations on thousands of compute cores at, at one time. Got it. Got it. Is this similar to running in a multi-CPU environment or somehow better? It's similar, uh, but the, the chips, so a GPU chip has been specifically designed for this purpose. It's Got been it. designed to do many, many, like very simple calculations very efficiently. Whereas CPUs have been designed to do fewer calculations at once, but maybe do more complex Got it. Uh, calculations Got it. in a more efficient way. So, so a GPU is really good at doing the same same simple calculation over and over and over again on on a data set. Exactly. So Brian, let's let's talk brass tacks here. You know, how fast is a GPU relative to a CPU? If I have a good, you know, state of the art scientific GPU in my desktop computer, what type of performance increase could I realize relative to the CPUs in my computer? Sure. So it is a tough comparison to make. Probably the best way to do it is to look at cost is probably what I would look at. Mm -hmm. um, and what you can find, and it again, it depends, like we were talking earlier, it depends on the, the exact algorithm you're talking about and how well it fits on the GPU, right? Right. But if your problem fits well on the GPU, you can be looking at one, two, even a little bit more than that in performance improvement with a GPU relative to the CPU you know, spending approximately the same amount of money. You mean one to two order of magnitude? Orders of magnitude, sorry. Yeah. So it, uh, that's significant. I know in our software, you know, a good scientific GPU, which might cost five, $8,000, can run with the same speed as probably a maybe 256 or 512 CPU HPC. And uh, the good GPU, as I mentioned, is several thousand bucks. An HPC of that of that size would be several hundred thousand dollars, and and I think that asymmetry is is pretty note is worth noting, and, and I think why GPUs are getting so much tension in the scientific computing community. Yeah, and it, one thing I'll add to that is that performance improvement. I think you can break it down into two different components. Part of it is that it just can process more per buck. Right, so the, like the memory bandwidth, the number of flops that your GPU can do compared to the CPU per dollar is just higher. And that's part of it. The other part of it is that all your computation is happening closer together. Mm -hmm. it, it's all happening on one chip. And so the memory and the syncing of information that needs to happen and, and the, com the communication between your different computational cores and the, the moving around of memory is all a lot faster because it's on the same piece of silicon. It's not, it doesn't have to be communicated between this whole complex system of, of mm -hmm. servers and switches and, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. And that communication latency goes to, well, approaches zero relative to what you'd have to realize in a 512 CPU HPC environment. Exactly. Yes.
So with that in mind, you know, what types of algorithms run well on GPUs? I imagine that because they are, I'd say, uh, scoped and tailored to handle comparatively simple operations, does that limit the breadth of applications we can run efficiently in a GPU environment? Yeah, so it, the, the types of algorithms have to fit your hardware. So if you have a very sequential algorithm where each step has to depend on the last step, then you're looking at a CPU algorithm. Yeah. If you have a whole bunch of computational work that can be done at one time and the algorithm is being applied, it's the same algorithm being applied to every piece of data that you have, then that's where the GPUs come in. Right, right. So I've seen application, obviously, the lattice Wolfman, or we apply to solving the transient number Stokes equations. So, okay, so, so GPUs have, have this neat capability to handle a lot of information at once. And outside of scientific computing, I know they're applied to things like machine learning, uh, other, sorts of, uh, other sorts of artificial intelligence. Do you think this pivot towards massively paralyzed but simple hardware is a part of a broader megatrend here? Or do you think this is... Uh, something of a one-off technology. This, do you think in the next 10 years, will we be doing more of this type of computing? Or do you think that you know, CPUs will be modified in a way that supplants the need for this kind of unique type of GPU architecture? Well, uh, my guess would be that you know, every different piece of hardware is going to find its niches. You know? yeah. So yeah. Uh, up till now, CPUs have been the only form of computing that have been available right you're either computing on a cpu or not really at all right mm -hmm. uh gpus are, are taking a chunk of that away and yeah. they're going to be doing they're taking over they're going to be dominant in certain applications right yeah and i think as times goes goes on other forms of computing will arise and you know find their niches and chip away from cpu or gpu computing yeah. as well that, that, yeah. that's good that's a good perspective it, uh, so that being said, just 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 so we understand, you mentioned serial computing very use, being very useful for CPU-based architectures. Are there other hard limits on GPU computing, things that we should be aware of or things that we know just don't run well on a GPU? One point I would make is that while some algorithms uh, can be programmed to fit on a GPU, it, it is also harder to do so. Right, mm -hmm. so CPU algorithms are generally easier to program. With the GPU environment, you have a lot more to think about as you're writing your code. Mm -hmm. That may be due to the parallelism, you have all these different calculations going on at once. And so you have to think about synchronization between different parts of your code that are operating at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to think about memory management in a much more detailed way than you would with a CPU environment. And so really, I think a lot of the, beyond the, just the hardware, there's also the software limitations as well. And, you know, that those can be overcome over time, possibly by developing better libraries, better software guidelines and that sort of thing. So, so it sounds to me like GPUs are great. They have a lot of functionality, but some software just might not run well on them. That is uh, porting a CPU based code to a GPU won't automatically give you this 100x speed improvement. You've got to have an algorithm and a framework that is amenable to the architecture in order to realize what these, what the performance speeds these GPUs can promise. 
Exactly. Or it may just take a lot of work to make those changes, right? Correct. It may take years to rewrite or rewrite large parts of software to make them work well on the GPU. Got and it. so really over the past, you know, handful of years, we've had, you know, huge improvements in the GPU hardware. And the, I don't think the software has kept up. The software, mm -hmm. it's going to be years before the software has fully taken advantage of the GPU hardware that's mm -hmm. out right now. Yeah, and one good example of that is reading and writing data to and from your desk. Mm -hmm. Right now, if you're, for example, in, for MSTAR, uh, our simulations produce a lot of data output and write it all to the desk, right? Mm -hmm. And post-processing all that data, a lot of the bottleneck is actually reading and writing the data from the disk hmm. and then doing subsequent uh, operations on that. Hmm. And so it's actually something NVIDIA is working on, I know, is being able to move data directly from your disk to your GPU and back and not having to go through your RAM and, and your CPU on the way. Interesting. That'll be a pretty important uh, pivot in terms of uh, data management and data shuffling. So let's say I'm new to GPU computing. Where do I go? Where would I go to get started? Do you, do you have a favorite guidebook you like to reference? Do you have a favorite kind of go-to source you go to to get familiar with how these things work and what sort of algorithms we might write for a GPU? Yeah, there's a handful of different programming platforms in which you can get started. There's quite a bit of support for Python programming on GPUs. Mm -hmm. Uh, that might be a, kind of the easiest place to start. A lot of people are familiar with Python programming. Yeah. And there's some libraries, uh, Numba is one, PyCuda. Some of these libraries make it pretty easy to get up and running with some uh, basic GPU programming. That's great. That's uh, something worth looking up to get a, uh, to, to get a leg up. Um, Brian, this was great. Uh, I, I appreciate your time in discussing some of these points with us today. Uh, like I was saying, it's an exciting area of development, these, these new architectures and new hardwares. And it's going to be neat to see how the hardware ultimately ends up informing the algorithms and vice versa. Now, so thanks again for being here to kind of talk us through some of these interesting points. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you. That's our show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to get new episodes sent directly to your inbox. Check us out on LinkedIn or mstarcfd.com. Thanks for listening.